I don't know if you're with me on this, but I think we have to recant and throw ourselves at the mercy of filmation because we thought that the second season of the animated series was just going to be unmitigated crap. The last week's episodes were awful this week. I think both of them were pretty damn good. I I had a not horrible time watching either of these. The Practical Joker was, I think, an amazing episode. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I just have low expectations at this point or if it was really that good. No, but... it was really stupid, but it was funny. It was... I feel like The Practical Joker is the episode where they gave up. Like, they just... The, the scene where they were all on nitrous, I think the writing staff was just doing whippets, and then they just made a stupid episode, and it was great. They don't... See, this episode is funny because it's not trying to be anything serious or profound or anything like that. It's some, some random thing happens to the ship's computer. It plays pranks, so we get to see these hilarious pranks. They turn him back on the Romulans, and then they fix it. That's the entire plot. No moral, no message. And it really succeeds at that. There's... <laughs> It's a low bar, yeah. It is low expectations, but and I'm not gonna say. I mean, yeah, it's... I'm not gonna say that the jokes were in and of themselves very funny. I mean, Scotty gets a pie in the face. <laughs> like the computer puts Kirk. Is Kirk a is jerk. a jerk in Helvetica on his like. On, I loved that on the back of his uniform. They make the spoons bend. Like it, it's. I was waiting for whoopee cushions. Yeah, and it was just. I think I don't know because it. You know, the voice acting in the show. Uh, one of the things I've noticed in the second season is that I think Shatner has gotten more comfortable with voice acting yeah. in general. And I find that Kirk is more interesting. He comes across better. He's definitely doing better work yeah, in, in, in these episodes. Give him an extra season and maybe some practice. Did he... Um... Has had had he ever has he ever done any other voice acting that you know of? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Probably cameos. I'm sure he's done a cameo in something. You know. But I think one of the things that I like about but, this episode goes along with that, which is that as the voice acting was getting a little better, I really feel like for whatever reason, I mean, I don't. I know that they recorded a couple of episodes all together, and I know that yesteryear was one of them. Hmm. I doubt that this was another one, but whatever they were doing really worked because, especially in that scene you were talking about where they're eating after uh, uh, the, the, they go through the, the cloud and get escape from the Romulans that they all just sound like they're having a really good time. Yeah. And that's it, something that I've really missed because the group dynamic and the people playing off each other in the original series is one of its greatest strengths. Yeah. It's, it's on the one hand it was good, but on the other hand, I would have, I can picture that scene with them actually sitting in the room of doing it, and it would come off much funnier. Oh, it would have been a lot better. And yeah, it was... I mean, this is is me... This is the best of the, you know, a bad lot in a way. Sure. A couple of things... One thing I noticed. So is this the first we see of a holodeck? Yeah, so this is actually a little piece of trivia. Oh, boy! I don't know if the holodeck was apparently based on the rec room in this episode or not. I mean... They seem to serve the same I've, basic I've, purpose. I've touched a little bit here and there about the sort of, uh, you know, canon or not of yeah. the animated series Ness. And uh, the the takeaway from it really is that it was decanonized by Paramount for some reason, whatever that means. 
and then uh, slowly writers from from like later shows sort of sneaked in more uh more information from the animated series so you'll get kind of references to like adosions and things like okay. that um i want one of the things that we forgot to mention i believe it was last week uh james t kirk gives his middle name for the first time as tiberius and that was not confirmed in canon until I think Star Trek Six. Okay, so I knew that always as always as a thing. You know, even since I was a kid, I knew that was his middle name. Yeah, but nobody was sure. The, huh. In the same way that um, that's weird that an animated series is where one of the bits of trivia that everyone knows. Is. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that I believe Uhura's first name was first given in an animated series episode, Neota. So, um, or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. But I say this all. I as, feel like I knew that. Yeah, well, probably because of the uh, 2009 Star Trek movie, because yeah. they call her Neota a lot in that movie. Huh. Um, but I say this all as preface to the Rec Room slash Holodeck, which and we don't know if the Holodeck was really based on the Rec Room or not, but they do serve pretty much the same purpose. Yeah. They seem to function almost identically. The Holodeck in, in, in the later series of Star Trek don't have that console in the middle of the room, but... No, it's yeah, pretty much it the same matter. thing, and especially also it was several th- several years later that they, yeah, you know, next generation comes in, so tech would improve. And I would say that you know, uh, setting that aside, I think I'm totally fine with saying that this was the technological um, underpinning of of the holodeck. This is the origin of the holodeck. Yeah, you know, it was VR. Maybe they put the rec room on the Enterprise as some sort of test, and then rolled it out throughout the the entire Starfleet. My question is, and I'm sure that you even know this, even though you, you're not a Trekkie, that the holodeck gone awry is always sort of a standard trope in Star Trek. In sci-fi in general, I mean, this let, let put it this way, Star Trek was not the first to come up with this kind of virtual world. Right. Um, and yeah, that that's a very obvious plot for it to go into. And it does definitely come up again and again in The Next Generation yeah. and Voyager, not so much in Deep Space Nine. So I find it interesting just on sort of an in-universe level that the first appearance of the rec room was also the first appearance of the amok holodeck on awry <laughs> putting crew in danger yeah and starfleet and the federation still decided to roll out the rec room as holodecks throughout all their starships in like con- contrary to all the evidence which is that this is not a good idea hey cigarettes and alcohol remain legal not in the federation Oh, that's right. They have health arrests in Synthahol. Health arrests are not real, but you don't ever see anybody smoking in Star Trek. Drinking, sure. Yeah, but you don't see people smoking on TV in general. Yeah, true. But I mean, this was the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the sixties. I was gonna say, in, and in like, look at like series. Alien, where everybody is you know chain smoking the entire movie. Yeah, smoking didn't really disappear from TV <laughs> and movies until like the nineties. Yeah. Let, let's say that. Um, so yeah, I just I just find that interesting, and you know, it's it, it's. I think it's a good way to give the episode some form of stakes because it, it it allows us to break away from the hilarity, quote unquote, of the practical jokes that the Enterprise computer is playing on people to, you know, Scott, what, who was it? McCoy, Uhura, and uh, Sulu? Sulu? Yeah, Sulu, um, trapped in the rec room. And really being put in danger. I mean, this now, is this is a dangerous if situation. If they're in an ice room, yes, they're going to be feeling that there's ice and it's going to look like that. But will they, are they actually in, like, is the temperature actually dropping? Could they actually freeze to death? Yeah, sure. I mean, the environmental controls could be changed. Oh, God. And it seemed like it was cold in there. Yeah. But, or was that an illusion? Um, 
I'm I'm very interested, by the way, that the fact that this perfect virtual reality simulation apparently runs on audio tapes still. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah, like that that that's great. <laughs> but um That was high tech back then. It wasn't it? Um I like no, I do like and I do like that we don't really know if the computer has goals or not for it, because again, first it's doing these harmless pranks, which are funny but annoying. Uh but is it trying when it's bringing this into Romulan space? What is it doing? Is it trying to start a war? Is it you know? It turns out it's playing this other hilarious prank on the Romulans, but again, that's still dangerous. So that was the one thing. I mean, it, oh, I loved this part. This was this was what made the episode for me. A cursory examination of the plot, just kind of like lightly watching it, it makes sense. But uh, the setup for this episode is they they sort of accidentally go into Romulan space, which they never really explain. And they escape by going through this cloud of, of fireworks. And so uh, the Enterprise computer then gets um, scrambled scrambled, and becomes a practical joker and starts laughing, which is incredibly creepy, by the way. Um, and the end of the episode is the computer. Kirk reasons that it's the computer wanting to play a joke on the Romulans to get revenge for them revenge on them for what exactly oh yeah doesn't he say damaging because at one point you said that the romulans damaged the computer and that's what caused it to go screwy which i'm like okay but it was the cloud that caused. i don't think he said that but my my problem with it is it doesn't make any sense because why would the computer want revenge on the romulans for doing this to it because it seems to be having a hell of a lot of fun well you know it's crazy, and crazy people don't make sense. And the point is, if you have a crazy joker, you just got to push him into a cloud. I mean, is that really it? It's just the computer is supposed to be crazy? I, like I said, I didn't take that much into consideration in this episode. But I mean, but, but I, I mean, I seriously, really, you're with me, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, I, yeah, I, I don't think that it was that well thought out. Like, I thought they just had, okay, we need to get a crazy computer playing jokes on the crew. And... They wanted to – in this case, I'm glad they showed us more Kirk is a jerk and just random scenes of everyone laughing awkwardly than uh, just a long explanation of how this all worked because the, the, the how this all worked and I find this is uh, – the how it all happened and how they fixed it don't really seem to make sense. Star Trek does that plenty, but – at least I didn't feel they wasted too much of my time with it this time. I mean, my only thing about that is, yes, Star Trek does do that a lot. I mean, Technobabble is a thing. But at least with Technobabble, it's supposed to make sense to them. My problem with this is that not logically making sense and Technobabble are two different things. No, it's not just a reverse the polarity. It's a behavior or it's a motivation. that Right. Right. I mean, if, you know, I can accept reverse the polarity as an explanation or a solution, even though it actually doesn't mean anything. Because it stands for science that's so beyond, yeah. Yeah. But I, I can't really accept that as an answer. Although it did give us probably the best thing the animated series has ever given us, which was a gigantic inflatable <laughs> enterprise. <laughs> that inflates in the span of like two seconds. Like literally we see it. Well, it's some sort of like you know, gaseous element that we have no idea about that was found on one planet and it just expands like in two seconds. <laughs> I was going to say, he, the, the, the computer manufactured this. Like, well, at, first of all, it silk screened Kirk as a jerk onto his all of his uniforms, you know, and then it knits this thing together. It, it like, it, it was, this is a busy computer. 
That's a computer. You know, it, 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 computers, it, it, can, computers can do billions of things a second. Its prank chip is light years beyond anything we have. So, yeah, I don't know. And it just it just strikes me as odd that the Romulans would even fall for this. But yeah, and, and the, you see, it's like these people who like like glitch art and like computer poetry and they're like, hey, this spam randomly generated spam message is beautiful. But it just makes no damn sense because it's a computer just garbling random text. So I think this is a computer garbling a random prank because what is the effect that it wants to do here? It wants the Romulans to see this gigantic inflatable Enterprise go, hey, we're going to kill that Enterprise, shoot it, it deflates, and then they go, oh, that was, that was what we wanted to happen at all. I thought, you know, that's it. Like, not, not to mention the fact that, like, the Romulans have sensors and they could detect... Yeah! Like, they could detect life signs. They could detect power signatures. Like, they have, a, they have a point of having this throwaway line that the Romulans aren't detecting any radio signals Yeah, from it, which, which I'm like, okay, and that's fine, you know, and they do assume, okay, well, it's just, you know, it shut those down. Except that that's not how they detect that ships are real or not. That's, yeah, I was going to say, that's one of about a dozen checks that we've heard different characters figure out on this. They could. They don't have. They, they they would be detecting light. They'd be detecting heat. They'd be detecting, you know, metal. They would be detect. There are all these things that they will be doing. And although I did like the 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 very end because of course it does, oh. you know, it's it's about as it's about as logical as it needs to be. It's, Pat- it's it's the it's the someone got hit on the head had amnesia so we hit him on the head again and they don't have amnesia. That's what they do. That's basically. pretty much it. The Enterprise goes through this cloud again and it gets fixed. And the computer's back to normal. And because the Romulans have gone through this cloud, now their computers are messed up and something about the food synthesizers are throwing out too many desserts. Which I love the idea of Romulan desserts because <laughs> what could those possibly taste like? I that sounds delicious. No, I did love the scene where I would watch a 20-minute episode of just the food synthesizer throwing cornucopias at uh, Scotty and him just getting slowly more and more pissed because the thing I love the most about the animated series is Scotty because he just gets – he hates everything and he's so cranky and I love it. And he's just, you know, oh, what is the grapes? Like, how are the grapes? Oh, my God, the apples. This isn't cool. Like – I don't want this. Oh, no, bananas. How dare they, you know? He's Scottish. He I know. Scottish people don't eat fruit. Where's the haggis? I did like that, though, in that scene because Eric and Mares are eating together because I guess they're the two new characters. And so, you know, they <laughs> eat together because no one else will let them sit at their table. And this food is delicious. Scotty. Purr. Yeah. Would and... you please pass the butter? Purr, and that would be the entire time, and then it has a hairball. And Scotty like doesn't really pay any attention to Eric's, but he's really bitchy towards Morass. And I wonder if he's really bitchy towards her because of their history. They slept together during that episode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's what oh. I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think that I will give this one five clouds. I'll give it a six. I really liked the cornucopia scene. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our next episode, Albatross. So, uh, speaking of technobabble, and I really don't understand the backstory. So, McCoy did something, and they don't know if he was bad or not, but he did something good, and then everyone's dying, and then he does something good because the plot requires him to redeem himself, and then everybody's happy. That's what I got from this. I did... Eh. I really like this one. Really? Yeah, I okay. really like this one. Well, let's um, hear this, because I 
I was not into it. It really felt like an episode of the of the original series to me. Good and, it, you know, you obviously were not paying very much attention, which is fine. Um, I think that the, the plot actually makes a lot of sense because okay. McCoy was on a relief mis- mission yeah. to this planet, Dramia 2, uh, inoculating people from, from a virus, some sort of virus or fever. And uh, he left, and then this, uh, 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 what was it called? Uh, Aurora comes by and deposits some sort of um, plague on Dramia 2 and, and kills all the inhabitants, the Dramians. Yeah. So the Dramians think that McCoy's inoculations yeah. were the cause of the plague for some reason, and he left before it broke realizing out for that. obvious reasons realizing that it would actually happen yeah i got that much the aurora i didn't really un- and the color changing that was the anyway but continue and so when he comes back to dramia it, i mean this was the one part of the episode which i think was a little weak where you know they're they're basically wrapping up the episode you know something happened on the planet and they were there and they fixed it and they're all standing around, and this would have been the end of an episode, and saying, yes, thank you for coming, Captain Kirk. You have saved the day once again. Yeah. By the way, we have a warrant for Dr. McCoy's arrest. <laughs> and it's signed by the Federation. We're like, uh, whoa, okay. That's a little abrupt. You would think that the Federation, by the way, would have... I, well, I guess if they didn't want to be a fugitive, but you'd think they would handle that internally first. Why would they? Because it would be easier to get McCoy while he's on the ship. I mean, they have no... I mean, I don't, I really, you know, it's anyway, continue extradition treaties and stuff. I mean, uh, different things happen to different, you know, I mean, you, you could, uh, we're not Xeno legal experts. Well, no, what I'm saying is like an extradition treaty doesn't necessarily require the home nation or home government to, um, to capture their own citizens. It just allows for them to be extradited if they're found. Okay. Um, it depends on the extradition treaty. And they, don't, they never say that the Dramians are part of the Federation, so I'm assuming they're not. Okay. So they arrest Dr. McCoy. I do like the Dramian design, by the way. Yeah, it was a little weak. I, I mean, loved those finger tentacles. Oh, you liked it? I love the finger tentacles. I didn't really like it. I mean, it didn't seem to really do anything for me. I thought it was like a yellow Skeletor. That's really weird. We like A yellow it. Tor. Oh, that's adorable. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 we've seen this kind of thing before. This isn't anything new. But, uh, you know, Kirk and Spock immediately jump to the conclusion that they need to help McCoy and get him out of this. And they, they go to Dramia 2 to figure out what exactly happened. I, I think Dramia 2 was extremely creepy. I mean, it was like a dead yeah, planet. Yeah, that was a good, that was a well done scene. The buildings was- were all burned down. Um, you know, the one thing is it's a little convenient that they find like the one guy that's still living on the planet and they, that leads them to the one survivor of the plague on this entire planet. But my assumption is that the plant, this planet, like all the other planets we'd seen is only about like a square mile, you know, because we only see a few buildings in every planet. I think that's about what they have. I mean, I think just for (laughs) conveniences of plot, you just have to go with it. And, you know, McCoy, I like the characterization of McCoy because yeah. he he submits to the Dramian justice system, he, you know, and there's this thing about how Dramian justice is kind of a kangaroo court. And that's kind of why Kirk is so uh, worried about him, because I think he realizes yeah. that the implication is that Dramian justice sort of finds the verdict before the trial even begins and, and everyone's always guilty. Um, we see that a lot later in Deep Space Nine with with Cardassian just, justice, believe okay. it or not. And but, uh, yeah. and there's a great episode of Deep Space Nine that deals with that sort of thing. 
and you know but mccoy isn't really having any of that he he really feels like he's not sure if he did it and yeah he's throughout the entire thing he's not he's almost anticipating the trial because he he seems to believe and I don't know if the episode goes as far as to say he's naive about this, but he believes that this is going to be a real trial where the truth is going to come out, which from his perspective, I understand that because he's genuinely not sure if this, you know, was, did he mess up on the vaccine? He's probably sure he didn't, but any doctor can have a bad day. You know, was this something unrelated? Was this his fault? Did he fuck up? And... You know, he wants to go through this trial just to clear his own conscience, or if he is guilty of this, he deserves to be punished. He has gone back on his, and that's fine, and that's a very interesting arc for them, but then I feel that's kind of colored by the, well, this is going to be a show trial anyway, because he won't get a right answer. Even if they give him a guilty verdict, it's implied they're going to do that no matter what. They need a somebody to hang for this. And To be fair, though, you know, we have seen Kirk have irrational prejudices before, and we don't really know what yeah. Jeremy and Justice is like. You're right. Out of all the characters on this show, McCoy is going to have the most balanced and tolerant view of an alien culture, though. I mean, you, you know, like, I, I think if anybody were to hear a rumor about draining injustice and run with it, it would be McCoy. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't even like Vulcan. But at the same time, them every day. But at the same time, you have to remember that he did go to Dramia too to help them. And maybe he just has a soft spot for this species. That is true. You know, and maybe even if he, and the thing is, if you look at it, he's had much more firsthand knowledge of Dramians and Dramian society than Kirk has ever had. So maybe he knows that what Kirk fears is not actually true or it's not as bad as he thinks it is. That is a fair point. You know, I mean, it could be that. Mm. And I think the real takeaway from here is that McCoy submits to it. He's open to it. And I I think that speaks really to McCoy's characterization and character as a, as a person really. Um, Because, you know, McCoy has always been sort of a hothead. He's always been very gruff um, kind of a curmudgeon, but you know, we always see that beneath all of that, he really is a softy, and you know, I appreciate that because I'm a lot like that. Part of it is I'm over the plague plot from Star Trek. I just, it's not interesting. Anymore. I'm really sorry that the death of an entire planet is inconveniently boring to you, Richard. Yeah, I, I number one, the planet didn't die. The inhabitants of the planet died oh well i'm really sorry that the pedantic nonsense you're spouting is annoying to you richard no it's i'm enjoying the pedantic nonsense you're the one who's annoyed by the pedantic nonsense okay i mean i guess i can see that it is you know it's it's just okay a plague again oh this one changes people's face colors oh that's okay well that was that that was the one thing i I agree with you that that didn't make a whole lot of sense yeah and that that and and it was one of those things where the Aurora coming, I didn't really understand if it was carrying some sort of virus that was in, infecting them or if it was a, uh, 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 I think a it was sentient a sentient virus. No, itself. I think it was, I think it was just supposed to be a coincidence. And again, this episode relies a lot on coincidence. Television in general relies on coincidence. Oh, yeah. It, and Fiction relies on I coincidence. I can accept that, you know, the week after McCoy left, everything being fine, as it turns out. Well, well, let me get to that in a second, but, you know, I, I can accept that McCoy had nothing to do with it, and he just, you know, left at the wrong time. If he if the cloud had happened a week earlier, he would have been there to save everybody at the time. You know, I can accept that. 
Um, I mean, I got the impression that the the virus or the or the plague did not cause the skin coloration issues, but the aurora caused them for some reason. Yeah, but I thought the aurora caused the plague, and this is what made no sense to me. I, I don't. I, I can see why you're confused. I don't. I kind of thought that too at first, but so we have three different diseases. We have four diseases right now. By the way, we have the disease that. Um, McCoy went to Dramia to, to, inoculate, to inoculate people. We have this other virus that he gave the old man because that was implied to be a separate virus that he just happened to have because he's the only person who... No, actually, that was the same inoculation that he was... Then why is there them? only one survivor from the plague? I don't know. Because the, the implication I got is that he'd gotten some other virus which happened to inoculate against the plague as well. But if he had... if McCoy had not given everybody that inoculation. The plague wouldn't even have even hit in the first place. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, then we have it's one of those things that then we have the face changing Aurora thing. And finally, we have the plague itself. So we have four different pathogens in this episode. On the level of economy itself that, you know, I, I, I think that was a lot of where that's a lot of where my confusion is, because. I can't keep track of what is affecting any person at any one time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. The episode definitely is a little overstuffed in that way. You know, and that that was not why I liked the episode. No, no, and you, I know you like it for the... I guess this is another case where maybe if this had been a full... Se- because there is nothing that on here that they couldn't have done in an original series episode. If this had been a 40-minute episode, 50-minute episode, they would have traced those a little easier. They would have traced those a little easier and made it a bit more straightforward. Yeah. Explained things a little better. Figured out how to tie up a loose end. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, especially with this episode and I think a lot of other episodes of the animated series, it's one of those things where Star Trek plots are maybe just difficult to fit into a half-hour format. Yeah. They're, they're too complicated. They're too complex. You know, they were trying to write full-sized episodes for half the slot and i think it's just difficult to do that you you lose something whether you lose characterization which we've seen many times in the animated series or you lose some of the finer threads of plot that would have clarified the situation in this episode yeah um you know it's it's one of those things where the 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 good moments of the episode carried me through and you know, especially the the jailbreak scene with with Kirk and McCoy, or with uh, Spock and McCoy, where they're sort of trading barbs. But again, it's one of those episodes where they really do show that they appreciate each other and they're friends. Um, it's just nice to see that stuff carry over into the animated series. And yeah. I just like you know when the show is at its best. I just like getting some more moments with these characters. Okay, I can appreciate that. I don't agree with you, but I can appreciate that. I will give this seven what? Diseases. Diseases. Seven diseases. You know, I'll give it four and a half diseases. Okay. That's not bad. Uh, I don't want even one right now. So next week, we're going to talk about how sharper than a serpent's tooth and the counterclock incident. And this will wrap up. The second season of the animated series. And the animated series. Yes, in general. We'll see you then. Goodbye.